There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down while cumbereth it the ground. And the answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've come to speak to us in your word and through your spirit. We thank you, Father, that you have come, Father, to this little village and to this church in the center of it. And Lord, to all that would also hear this word even as it goes around the world. We pray that you would encourage and bless and challenge and convict many of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And Lord, that you would compel your people to follow hard after you and give us hearts with a vision like unto thee. Glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus. Glorify your holy, your precious name. For we ask it for his glory. Amen. Amen. In verse 3 and in verse 5 of our reading, twice the Lord Jesus has said, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. If I want to title this this evening, I want to entitle it, the urgent need of repentance. The urgent need of repentance. The Lord Jesus was preaching repentance. It's a, it's a taboo subject in nearly, well, many, many churches, maybe nearly all churches now. People don't want to hear the word repent. Don't go and preach out in the street anymore and do open air missions or gospels and tell people to repent. People don't like to hear repent. Churches don't like to hear the word repent. Brothers and sisters, the message for the hour should be repent. Repent and believe the gospel. The first message that came to those in Judea through John the Baptist was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we are told that the Lord Jesus preached repentance. Also, he preached repent or perish. Notice, repent or perish. 
It's another word that the church world and the unsaved world do not want to hear anymore. That there's such a thing as perishing. That there's such a thing as an eternal damnation. That there's such a thing as an eternal fire. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know it. But no matter how much they stick their head in the sand and disregard it and reject it, nevertheless, it does not change the eternal destiny of the wicked. It doesn't change the eternal destiny of the unsaved. It doesn't change the eternal destiny of the Christ rejecter. Whether we like it or not, there is a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. Here we have the Lord Jesus says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus was talking to the people of his day. He was speaking to the governing bodies of the day and the ecclesiastical leaders of the day. And then even in his days, the Lord's ministry on earth, he was seen as fundamental. He was a bigot. He was seen also as unacceptable to the very general public because of such messages. He was a troublemaker. And so all of those wanting an easy lifestyle would fit in behind those who preached an easy life. But an easy life will still take men and women to hell. An easy gospel does not save the soul. Sugar-coated preaching is nothing but poison when you bite into it. And go to a church, go to a meeting where the Christ is not exalted, where you're not told of your need of a Savior, where you're not told that you're a sinner, and where you're not told where Christ is the only remedy for your sin, and His precious shed blood on the cross is the only method for the cleansing of your sin and from your sin. Go to a church where that is not preached, and you're getting sugar-coated preaching. Notice this. Christ was blamed to be fundamental and unacceptable. And throughout the Bible, we can read that throughout the Old Testament, that the prophets of the Lord were persecuted, they were prosecuted, and they were executed. They were persecuted, they were prosecuted, and they were executed. Christian We have got this mentality again being preached from pulpits all around the world to expect your best life now. That God wants you healthy, wealthy, and well, prosperous with your own uh, mansion in this life, in this world, prosperous with your maybe your own jet plane or whatever it is, and that there'll never be any trial, there's never any sorrow, there's never any heartache. Why don't you come and walk up the aisle and give yourself to Christ? and, And if you do, there's never any problem and there's no more temptation and you'll float along in a cloud. You'll have wings in your back and a halo on your head. You'll get your own harp and you'll off to heaven in a handbasket. Brothers and sisters, that's a false gospel. And that is a lie from the devil of hell. I can tell you now, when a man and a woman comes to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you enter a battle. You enter the war. You run a race. And it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's strenuous, but nevertheless, it's glorious 
because in it all and through it all, the, per, the, the, the perseverance of the saints is that Christ in the power of the Holy Ghost is working in you, through you, and for you to bring you to your salvation and your destined end. Here is the glorious gospel that we have. Preaching of the Lord Jesus is repent or perish. Repent or perish. The very prophets, as I said, were persecuted, prosecuted, and executed. Listen to Acts chapter 7, verse 51, and then just the beginning of verse 52. Stephen, who is the New Testament's first recorded martyr, the New Testament's first recorded martyr, at the time of his trial before his stoning, notice this, he says to those of jury, he says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. Notice that. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. Can I ask you, is there someone in this meeting who's resisting the Holy Ghost? Is there someone in this meeting who resists the Holy Ghost when he calls? Who resists the Holy Ghost when he draws? Who resists the Holy Ghost when he speaks? Who resists the Holy Ghost? You're walking on dangerous ground. You're walking on dangerous ground. Here he says, ye resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. In verse 52 he says, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? Which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted? You tell me, people, your fathers and their religion in the past. He says, you tell me which one of them were sent that weren't persecuted by them. Then he says, and they have slain them and showed before, which showed before the coming of the just one, speaking of the Lord Jesus, of whom ye have now been betrayers and murderers. I notice what he says to the people. They're always resisting the Holy Ghost. You know what it is? You just want religion. You want ceremony. You want sacrifice. But you know why? Because it's easy religion because you're in charge and not the Lord. And not the Lord. Because you see, whenever a man and woman comes to Christ, you see, they have a, 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 a deep down in their soul when they truly come, they have a responsibility with the gospel. They have a responsibility with the Word. They have a responsibility because the Holy Ghost will be moving in you. The Holy Ghost will be demanding of you. The Holy Ghost will be calling you and drawing you. And the Holy Ghost will be speaking unto you. And you will wrestle and you will fight. And you will have to yield to Him. But those who have not been saved and are just religious and go through the whole ceremonial stuff, you see, there's no responsibility with it. I can live how I like and show my face at church and go through the ritual. I'm sure that's enough for me. Friend, that's a false gospel. That's a false teaching. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And it is you and I yielding to the fullness of the Spirit throughout our life. Notice this, he says, your father's your fathers persecuted the prophets. Then he says, and they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just ones. You're the prophets who spoke, or were the, they were cast aside. They were the mavericks. They were those who were crazy. 
they were those who were, who were unacceptable and they were a fundamental. They were right-wingers, you know, those sort of people. You, know, you want to stay away from them because if we become liberal lefties, then you know what will happen. We'll be able to live in our flower power lifestyle. Let's all love one another. And then at the end of it all, surely, is God not love? And that's much of the church you have today. Sadly, I have to say, sadly and drastically and tragically, I have to say, it's in mostly the Pentecostal movement. A movement birthed of God by his Holy Ghost. Birthed by God. Here, those prophets were the right-wingers. They were too straight. They were too conservative. They're the ones who were, you know, too stalwart and stood for what God had told them. They gave what God had told them. They spoke for the truth. And, you know, they had ended up in the, in the Jerusalem Herald and the Jerusalem Times and, you know, and the Capernaum Capers, you know, that sort of stuff. They had ended up in all the papers. Brought up before the magistrates. Jeremiah thrown down a pit. It said that Isaiah was sawn in half with a wooden sword by Manasseh because he said he's seen Yahweh. Isaiah chapter 6. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. They were persecuted and prosecuted. And now comes the just one, the Lord Jesus. And Stephen being stoned for witnessing to him, about him, he says to them, you've done it now to Jesus. You've killed him. You're still hard-hearted and you're still stiff-necked and you're still resisting the Holy Ghost. He says, you'll die in your sin. Here, they stone Stephen for he's just like them. If you read that, uh, narrative of Stephen being stoned, I think the wonderful thing is, is as they're stoning him, he looks up and the heavens are open to him. And it says, and Stephen, calling upon God, notice, calling upon God says, Lord Jesus, <laughs> he knew who he was. Luke chapter 13 Verse 34, please. Let's look at it for a moment. Keep this chapter open. I'm going to just jot through it for a moment. Notice after Stephen has said this, notice what Christ had said before Stephen had. Verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou wouldst killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings? And you would not. You wouldn't come. You resisted the Holy Ghost. You resisted the Word of God. You resisted the voice of the shepherd. And you would not. Behold, notice, your house is left unto you desolate. In other words, destruction will come. Now note this down for what we're going to say in a few moments. Destruction will come. Judgment's coming. You better be ready. Stop resisting the Holy Spirit or God's going to take a dating. Christian, you know I said the, the greatest and deepest of God's love for you, and I'm saying it to myself, that's never resist the Holy Ghost. For if the Lord takes a dating, we'll be sorry. 
will be sorry. And again, you'll hear in churches, he'll never do that to you. Well, you know what? I hope he does. Because I'll tell you why. The scripture says that if God does not chasten his own, then ye are illegitimate. You're not his people. So the master crying over Jerusalem, and of course we'll look at it in a moment. So in Luke chapter 13, in this chapter alone, the Lord Jesus preaches repent and perish in verse 3 and in verse 5. Now let me just skip through this in verses just to give you an idea of his preaching here in this one chapter alone. In the parable of the fig tree which we had read, he speaks of judgment pronounced upon the fig tree. Verse 7, he says, Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? There's a judgment, cut it down. Cut it down. Then in verse 15, Jesus cuts the ruler of the synagogue down to size and all of his other critics by calling the ruler of the synagogue, he says, ye hypocrite. Boy, Christ knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows our ways. He knows our church face and he knows our home face. He knows our public face and he knows our private face. The word hypocrite here gives the idea of an actor coming in with a mask over his face and then when he leaves the stage, he takes it away again. And Jesus knows our hearts and he said, ye hypocrites! Boy, what language the Savior is using here. Calls the ruler of the synagogue and the critics, he says, ye hypocrite, And then in Luke 13 and 24, he tells the people, notice what he says to them. Let this be said to all those who teach and all those churches who preach and tell people all over this country, all over over the planet, but really all over our nation. Let them read this to those who say, we're all good and we're going to heaven. I want to tell you something. Good people don't go to heaven. Same people go to heaven. Blood-washed people go. Now, I notice this. Verse 24, he tells the people, Strive ye to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. What do you think of that? Many are going to be there in that day to enter in and they'll not be able. I told some of you one time about a vision God gave me of an eternal punishment and damnation. A little glimpse of what hell would be like in a dream. And it was so real, there was a spirit even in the room when we woke up. The wheels of people. And the wheels and the crying of the people. The howls and the evil presence and the darkness of it. I was caught up in a congregation and there was a, a, a figure before me caught me up into the air and was wrestling with me. He says, you'll never win them. 
Now, all I could think of was we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That's all I could think of in this dream. Then suddenly, he ran me, as it were, through the walls, only in the middle of the air, and I ended up in a giant cavern, many times bigger than what you could imagine, the Grand Canyon, with it on top of itself again, underground. And there I could see flicks of flame and light coming from way down under the ground, and it was horrific. And all I could hear was multitudes of voices and multitudes, I can't explain it, multitudes of wailings and cryings and howlings of people forever. Seen two of my friends there. I tried to get them out and I couldn't. I woke up, sweat running off me, soaking wet, shaking, exhausted. voice said to me, what about your children? And they said, next thing I squeal went up from one mouth from Judy. And Alison jumped up out of her sleep and ran into the room. She knew nothing about it and she came in and says, Ken, there's something wrong here. I says, Alison, let me tell you. And she had to pray for me because I was just exhausted. I couldn't even pick myself up. The word strive Jesus says, it's where we get our word, agony, agonize. It's not not salvation by works, but it means agonize. It means persevere in your faith. Agonize. It's those who will be called and persevere unto the end that shall be saved. It's those people who continue on in God. Do I believe if you're truly saved, you're once saved, always saved? Yes, I do. But I also believe that if you're in the world, you'll never be happy and you'll cry out for mercy. I could never explain to you what happened to me that night. Remember, I was even ill after for a while. Lord Jesus preaches, repent or perish. And as he says, strive ye, agonize to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Christian, I'm saying this to you, brother, sister. I'm saying this to whoever hears this message. I'm saying it with all the love in my heart, but I'm saying it and all with all the pathos in my heart, but I'm saying it to you with all the warning in my heart. There are many believers in today and they're being blinded by the devil. Many believers, those who have known and heard the gospel and they're being maligned by the devil, they're being taken away and carried away in their thoughts. They're being taken away in their heart. They're growing cold and the very fire and the passion of Christ has died in them. This has become religion. They resist the Holy Ghost. This is just religion. This is what we do because, you know, we're well standing in community circles. This is what we do because they don't know anything else. Oh, it's not a condemnation, but it's a plea to the church. It's a plea to all. There are so many people out there who are charlatans who will tell you, Men who have 45,000 members in their church in the States 
And on a TV broadcast, they couldn't even say Jesus was the only way to the Father. He's a false prophet. Now another one has said that he's okay in gay marriage. 10,000 people in his church. There's an urgent need of repentance. There's an urgent need of repentance. Pastor, what will you do? It becomes a law and you have to marry them. Well then, I guess I'm going to be one of these people who they're going to be putting up in the McGilligan or wherever you go. Verse 25, he tells them that on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, look what it says, verse 25, open to us and he, sa- he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence you are. I don't know you. I don't know you. Brother, sister, when was the last time you had a real encounter with Christ? Well, be honest with yourself, and this is me saying this in love, because I want to gee God's people up, because the time is running short, and persecution is coming, and if we're not grounded in the Word, then you're going to fail. When was the last time you were so enamored by His presence, nothing counted but Him? No one counts but Him. Here, he says, they'll say, Lord, Lord, open to us, and he shall say, answer and say unto you, I know not whence you are. Verse 27, here's the words that none of us will ever hear if we are in Christ. Here's the words that we won't want anybody to hear, but we want them all brought in. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Verse 28, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I know. I know this will go online and I know people may send me messages and tell me I'm a scaremonger. Tell me that I'm not going with the flu anymore. I've never went with the flu anyway, so it doesn't matter. Then we have the Lord in Luke 13 and verse 32. He says of Herod, Herod was an Edomite proselyte. What do you mean? Herod by his lineage was not a Judahite from Israel. Herod was an Edomite from Esau, Edom, who gave away the birthright, remember, in the Old Testament. He was off that lineage. Esau, even to this day, is trying to get back their birthright. You and I have the birthright. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, listen to this. Jesus calls him. He's a, he's a puppet king of Caesar. In other words, he's only there because he, he's so far up Caesar's back, he's like a roller blind. And he says, he says, <laughs> he, calls, he calls Herod, he says, go and tell that fox. <laughs> oh dear, why did, why did I do that? <laughs> I don't know where half of these come out sometimes, you know. Maybe we need to add it. I don't know. Maybe I'll help someone laugh or something. He says, go and tell that fox. Jesus preached that in the same chapter. In other words, he's calling him a fox and as opposed to a lion. 
a weak, sneaky, sneaked animal, as opposed to a brave, kingly, noble, just, honest, and forthright leader. Now listen, look at our government. We need prophets to say, go tell that fox. Go tell him. Go tell that fox, he says, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected. Christ is saying, you tell him he's sitting on a throne that's known to him. He's sitting in power that's only for a little time. And you know something, brothers and sisters, the amount of people who strain at the knot to have a little power for a little time, who strain at the knot and will commit all sorts of sin and iniquity, to have a little power for a little time, to be rich for this earthly little time, to have pleasures for this earthly, this little time. And yet Christ says, but me, I do cures today and tomorrow. On the third day, I will be perfected. And I will be the king of the whole earth. I have an eternal reign. Brother, sister, are you striving for this world? Is your treasure in this world? Or is our treasure in heaven? For there is our eternal reign. Notice this. Jesus pronounces the coming destruction of the temple. He says, behold, your house is left unto you desolate when he speaks to the fig tree. Christ was not a pussy-footed preacher. Christ was not a politically correct prophet. Christ was not a social gospel speaker. Christ was not a timid trembling teacher. And Christ was not a lily-livered leader. Christ was the King of glory, veiled in flesh. And he took a stand and says, repent or perish. Our nation needs to repent or it's going to perish. So, In verses 3 and 5, he says, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Christ spoke the truth in the face of opposition. He spoke the word of God, which cannot be added to nor taken away from. No matter the pulse of the people, no matter the changing of the times, and no matter the offense to the sinner, the word of God was the word of God. And my ministers to save face, ministers to save themselves, would rather dance around the truth of the Word of God to save feelings of the flock. But their flock are going to hell in a handcart. It's as simple as that. I made a statement some time ago and it was caught on online and I don't know how many times post was made of it online and I don't know how many times it's been downloaded and shown. I think it's a, 
so many hundred thousand now. I would rather, I may not be a politically correct preacher, but I would rather offend you into heaven rather than nurse you into hell. Are we saved? Are you saved? Do you know you're saved? The Lord Jesus in Luke 13, verses 1 and 2, the Lord Jesus is told of an atrocity of certain Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And I believe that they're trying to stir up. No, I'm going to leave that for next week. I believe they're trying to stir up because I'm going to go into something that's going to take too long. I believe they're trying to stir up some feeling in our Lord because he was a Galilean. What about the ones that Pilate killed and mingled their blood? What about them, Jesus? Christ looks at the eternal side of things and he says, do you think that they're greater sinners? Paraphrasing me, we'll do it next week. Do you think they're greater sinners? No. He says, except you all repent shall all likewise perish. On that day, we're not going to be asked what we did or who we were or what we didn't do or who we're not. We're not going to be asked what we are, where we have been. God knows it all. This is what man and woman will stand in account of. Do you know him? Did you trust my son? Do you know him? Did you repent? Next week in the Lord's will, I'll look at what repentance really means. And we hear repentance means a change of mind. Repentance means a change of mind. Yes, it does mean a change of mind. But listen, I change my mind a hundred times a day. I'm not repenting. It's more than that. I change my mind. You change your mind. I'm going out for a walk. I'm going to walk my dog. And it's raining. I'm not going to walk my dog. I've changed my mind. Have I repented? We'll look at it in the Lord's will next week. The urgent need of repentance. We're going to look at our nation. Urgent need of repentance. We're going to look at the fig tree. And the parable of the fig tree. Actually, that's only the introduction, by the way. We're going to look at the parable of the fig tree. And the parable of the fig tree is showing how the Jews were were dispersed in AD 70 and the temple was destroyed. And we'll look next week in the Lord's will at how how the Lord Jesus had warned of this and how he cursed the fig tree. Remember, he cursed it and there was no fruit on it. We'll look at that next week. All symbolic. And Christ was saying, this is the judgment to come. Here is the urgency for repentance. And then we'll look at the fig tree back for Armageddon. Every time you look at the Middle East, you keep your eyes on Jerusalem, you keep your eyes on the Middle East, you keep your eyes on the Israeli state, and you know what you'll find? They're there for Armageddon. It's not going to be a picnic, as people think. It's going to be devastated. It's going to be devastated. God willing, next week, we'll look into that. May God bless his word to all our hearts, and time is flowing.